all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Good morning, and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Today we're talking about summer. And what do you do now that school's out with your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews? School's over. It's been out for a few weeks now. We talked about what you can do for the summer. But has boredom already set in? Maybe that vacation that you planned for a long time to the beach or elsewhere is over. You spent money um, and all that time, maybe that week or so, since none of us get enough vacation time. But now there's time to fill, and the sort of panic on how to fill the next several weeks is upon us. So my suggestion is getting back to nature. That may be the answer to making this really an incredibly great summer. And to avoid something that one of my favorite writers talks about, and that is nature deficit disorder. You know, you've heard about ADHD, attention deficit disorder, but... Um, Richard Louvre talks a lot about nature deficit disorder in his book, uh, Last Child in the Woods. And he, he talks about the fact that perhaps we are not getting out there enough with our children um, and letting them enjoy some of the more simple things. So I want to talk about the that today. I want you to share your comments and experiences with us this morning. You can call one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. Because what I want us to do is talk through what what we do, what we think is the right way to, quote, enjoy our vacation. So many of us have spent a whole lot of time trying to figure out what in the world to do um, uh, with the summer. Maybe you don't have enough money to do those extravagant things. Um, maybe you already have done that and that, quote, dream vacation hasn't turned out to be quite you thought what you thought it was. You had to deal with lines and waiting and traffic and all those and the exorbitant amount of money that you can spend at certain vacation spots that maybe that stint at Disneyland or Disney World was so fraught with long waits, expensive foods and delays at the airport or terrible traffic on the roads that um, you spent all that money and now um, it, it didn't give you those forever wonderful memories that maybe you can make on your own. My question to you is, are we succumbing to the pressures of society and doing what other people tell us we should do um, with our time off, with our children, with our grandchildren? Are we doing the best thing for children? Do you think that we could possibly be in the wrong direction on what vacation 
should should really be. Now, don't get me wrong. I love to travel. I love to see new and different places. Um, I think it's wonderful for children, especially as as they get older, teenagers, to experience different um, when they can. But I'd like to propose that we're missing out on a lot of life by thinking that it has to be done um, we we have to do what's marketed to us as being the way she, we should spend our time off. So I want to tell you um, personally about an experience that I just recently had. Um, I took a week and a week off and spent with six of my grandchildren from eight to three and a half. And we had mommy and dad man camp. That was, that's what they call me, um, my husband and, and I, um, mommy, that's me, and dad man, that's my husband. And so we, we spent a week just doing camp activities, um, we were outside a lot of the time. We built bird houses. We swam in a little blow-up pool. We um, put up a swing, a platform swing, and they they swang they on that. <laughs> um, we tie-dyed T-shirts. We we played games. We read books. Yes, we watched a movie or two, but um, a lot of it was outside, even in the hot weather. They they loved it. They um, fought, yeah, some. They shared a lot. They laughed. They cried. They played chase. They played other games. Um, no one had an iPad or an iPhone or a smartphone. They they all just shared time. And, and yes, um, I don't believe my husband or I have ever been quite as exhausted as we were at the end of the week. But I am telling you, there were some major memories made at a very low cost, um, other than loss of sleep. So my question to you is, what are you doing this summer? Are you making memories? Are you trying to work on having your child or your grandchildren or those nieces and nephews experience some of the things that you got to experience as a child? And perhaps those things are going away now, you know, sitting on the couch, watching a movie, standing in line for a ride, um, spending money on expensive condos and and plane rides are sometimes just completely out of the possibilities for some people. That doesn't mean great, wonderful vacations are not out of the possibility. And so I want to propose that we step back and and few and think about a few things that Arthur Richard Louvre writes about in his book. I mentioned Last Child in the Woods. He proposes that we need to save our children from missing out on some of the nature issues um, and the simple things in life. And I want to read you just a short summary of what he says um, throughout his book. But, but this paragraph, I think, sort of summarizes what he's talking about throughout the book. 
and I quote, he says, for children, nature comes in many forms, a newborn calf, a pet that lives and dies, a worn path through the woods, a fort nested in stinging nettles, a damp, mysterious edge of a vacant lot. Whatever shape nature takes, it offers each child an older, larger world separate from parents. Unlike television, nature does not steal time. It amplifies it. Nature offers healing for a child living in a destructive family or a neighborhood. It serves as a blank slate upon which a child draws and interprets the culture's fantasies. Nature inspires creativity in a child by demanding visualization and the full use of the senses. Given a chance, a child will bring the confusion of the world to the woods, wash it in the creek, turn it over, and see what lives on the unseen side of that confusion. Nature can frighten a child, too. And this fright serves a purpose also. In nature, a child finds freedom, fantasy, and privacy, a place distant from the adult world, a separate piece. So what he's proposing is we, by allowing our child to take a walk in the woods, to take a a nature walk around a, a lake, to just be outside in the backyard and look under a rock and see what's living under that rock, or to start learning about how things grow and what particular plants are, or how to take care of an animal, or how to watch a bug with fascination instead of thinking that every bug is dangerous and that you should kill it. Um, He proposes this is the way we make our caring, creative, and loving individuals rather than coming up with some expensive way or uh, feeling like we have to entertain our children all the time. Now, do you think those times are lost? Do you think that anyone out there can really do this? What are you doing this summer? Do you believe that maybe you're making some memories for later on? Are you one of those individuals who think that we may not be experiencing nature enough? And if so, what would you do about it? I really want to hear what your thoughts are and how you think we should move forward to make sure that we don't have a last child in the woods, that we really are getting out and experiencing nature. So we'll go ahead and take our first break, but I want to hear from you with your thoughts about this. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. Tell us what you think about getting back to nature. What can we do? What would you like to share that you've done before? Or do you have some questions or some thoughts about why maybe this isn't possible? This is Relatively Speaking. We're talking about getting back to nature, how to entertain ourselves without a lot of expense. We'll be right back after this break.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today we're talking about ways to get back to nature. What do we need to do to figure out a way to get out of that vicious cycle of believing that we have to spend a lot of money on vacation time in the summer for to entertain our children. I want us to think about other ways that we can entertain them to, to help with making creative minds. You know, a lot of times in my travels, people will say, Goodness, Mississippi has a lot of incredible art going on, a lot of creative writers and others and um around the state. And why why do you think that is? Because if you if you really think about it, Mississippi has more than our share of incredible writers and you know, I can Start at the top and go to the bottom. Uh, you know many of them, Willie Morris and uh, John Grisham and um, Faulkner and all amazing people who are out there, um, many artists, potters out there. Why do you think we're so creative in Mississippi? My contention is that because in Mississippi, a largely rural state without a whole lot to do over the years that um, individuals were allowed to use their own creative minds. Um, They had more think time. They had more ability to just step back and be creative. I wonder if we're losing some of this as we're moving along, trying to fill in time for our kids so they can't use that imagination Now, I don't think that it all has to be walking outside and digging holes and and building um, pretend roads out there. But there needs to be some of that creative time. Maybe a little bit of boredom is okay so that a child has to then move to their own means, their own creativity on on how to entertain, Uh, whether that's a child alone or a group of children together who need to become a little bit more creative. The other thing I want to propose is that I think Mississippians uh, sometimes uh, don't give Mississippi the credit it deserves. There is a website I want to tell you about. As you're looking for things to do, if you've done that walk out in nature and if you've done some of the things that we've already talked about and you still feel like you, you want to do something a little bit more organized, there is a website called uh, familydaysout.com. It's familydaysout.com. And then there's a forward slash things kids things to do USA, and then you can put in Mississippi, and then you can put in your zip code. So I did that. I tried it out this morning familydaysout.com, you put your zip code in, and voila, there are all kinds of things to do. I I did that 
for my 39046 zip code, and out came the Children's Museum, the Natural Science Museum, the Petrified Forest, the Mississippi Museum of Art, Holmes County Park, um, Geyser Falls, Roosevelt State Park. It goes on and on. Now, some of them do cost some money, but most of them are not very expensive. And other than a short road trip, they um, they are things that children can do that could occupy hours of, of their time and create major enjoyment and as you're and you don't have to be educating them at all you can let them look at things and be creative and and think about what there is out there to do so there are other um, websites, and uh, as we move along, I want to tell you about um, some additional recommendations on all the things that you can do. But I would suggest you try that, that one out. Well, let's see. We have our first caller. Let's go on to Kathleen in Osaka. Kathleen has an idea. Good morning. Good morning. I've got a little bad reception on the phone, so please forgive me in advance. But I thought of something cute that I did for some kids in the neighborhood. Uh, we got half of an oak barrel, like a, something you put water or plants in. Uh-huh. You fill it up with some good soil, some rocks on the bottom, right. and uh, some sand. And the kids can poke plants through it, and you fill it up with water. And when you put some minnows in, you can give the kids glass jars, and they look, you stick them in the, the tank and look through the glass jar, and you can see into the water where all the little minnows and the bugs and the plants are. Oh, wow. You wouldn't have believed how many kids in the neighborhood <laughs> would come over, pick up the, the cups we had, the jars we had set aside, and their little fannies would stick it up in the air, and they <laughs> bent over like a shoot-to-shoot and think, did you see this? Did you see that? I put that plant in the water. And if you have somebody that fishes or hunts, it wouldn't hurt to have them pick up some weeds <laughs> right? and some water plants and little things that they can think of to put in there. And they watch that for years. That is what an incredible idea. Was it's that nature. It's, if it's, I had thought about it, I would have built the home for Jemima. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kathleen, was this for your children or was this for well, just the neighborhood? It was for a grandchild. Uh-huh. And then, of course, that sprouted a lot of other little persons of grandchildren. Sure. And then friends and neighborhood. And they got into it. And they knew that they could come as long as we were there. Right. And wound up st- bending over. They look like a little shoot-to-shoot with their head in the, the glass jar leaning over into this little four-foot-around tub, but they were watching all kinds of little critters. And you can add them all in time. Right. It takes a little forethought, you know, like adding some water from where you got the fish, let them transfer like you do normal fish pets. Right. But uh, the fact that they help do it, and then they get to enjoy it, all the seasons, the little things they can feed them and they can't feed. Right. They had a ball with that for years. What a wonderful idea. And and how 
unbelievably inexpensive, right? Um, yeah, you, initially cost a little bit, but it's right. a lot less than a pair of shoes these days. <laughs> sure. And it it allowed the children to develop a real appreciation for nature. Yeah, you, and you can put water plants that go in the aquarium in there if they're fresh water, or you can buy water bulb like a lotus or something. Not that it would take off hugely, but it would stay small in that area. Yeah. Great, great idea, Kathleen. Thanks for calling and, uh, and sharing that with us. And, okay, they'll have fun. Okay. Bye. Thanks. So, obviously, you'd want to make sure that the water was shallow. You'd want to make sure that the children are well uh, supervised. But what a wonderful idea. I, I tell you, I still have a memory of when I was little, we had a wash tub, and I gathered some tiny, tiny tadpoles um, one summer and put them in that tub with a few plants, just like Kathleen's talking about, and watch those tadpoles grow into frogs. What a wonderful... I Honestly, my mother was a teeny bit horrified that I ended up having uh, frogs hopping all over the garage area. But uh, nonetheless, it was a great lesson for me. I got to watch them sprout their little legs and lose their tails and um, go from these little swimming things to these hopping things. So think about that. That's one of those lessons in nature that... um, probably was my first real interest in in science and all. So you can help a child build so much in the area of, of learning and curiosity and, and then uh, maybe build an interest in learning more about what's going on by letting them get a book from the library um, or perhaps read online about um, how tadpoles become frogs or what happens, how, where do fish come from and how fish eggs happen. So Kathleen's uh, beginning observation suggestion about having um, nature in a, in a tub for the neighborhood kids to watch is an amazing and very giving thing. And Kathleen may not have even realized what she was really giving to those children. But I dare to say that they remember that uh, to this day. So I'm just wondering, our listening audience, do you have any of those kind of memories? Was there a neighbor or a grandparent or someone who shared something pretty incredible like that with you that was simple, but it was one of those lasting memories? And is it more of a lasting memory than perhaps an expensive vacation that you went on or or maybe uh, do you feel like those are those creative memories that that helped you gain an interest in something that later um, was part of your adult life? I'd love to hear from you about your thoughts in that. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven. MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. Um, I just 
want us to think as we are moving through that there are some very simple things to do. Um, one suggestion that was in um, Richard Louv's book was to keep a Wonder Bowl. Um, and I thought this was a great idea. You know how children love to pick up different things and put them in their pockets. Um, rocks or sticks or shells or um, different different little items. So what you could do is have a bowl or a box or a bag, something for a child to have that they get to gather little special treasures from outside to bring them in and they can put them in their pockets or they can put them in that bag as they're gathering. So to keep that that wonder uh, bowl or bag and then to go through it at the end of the week to look at all the treasures that they had gathered and maybe to talk about what each one is. Sometimes something simple like that. I... Um, I know my grandchildren love to gather treasures and and one of the little guys and actually two of the little girls love to gather um, rocks and to look and to see if they can find a fossil in the rock and uh, to sort of dream about where that rock was. Was that fossil perhaps a shell? Maybe this rock was part of an ocean bottom one time long ago. So to start working on and talking to a child about these creative thoughts so that they can build one imagination and creativity, that's how you become one of those individuals who can create and have confidence in their abilities to, to step out beyond the box of what somebody's telling you to think or telling you to, to guess about. All right, so when we get back, we're going to take our next break. We'll get to Stephen in Aberdeen. Um, and I want to hear from more of you about how do you get back to nature? What do you do creatively to, to try to push that imagination? Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. We're talking about getting back to nature and being creative this summer. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today we're talking about learning how to enjoy the simple things in life, how to make this summer filled with wonder for children, and and how not to spend a lot of money on it, but to really engender creativity and wonderment in our nature, what we have out there, outside our doorstep. 
So you can give us a call to join the conversation at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. So let's go on back to the phone lines. We have Stephen in Aberdeen. Stephen, you have some lessons learned. Yes, uh, yeah, yes. Can you hear me all right? I can. Thanks for calling. Okay, all right. Yeah, hey, Doc. Yeah, I was uh, listening to your uh, to your story about tadpoles and caught that <laughs> bit about life lessons in nature, and uh, it reminded me of a it reminded me of something that happened uh, when I was when I was a little when I was a little guy. Yeah, maybe about yeah. Uh, um, the whole family had uh, gone down to the beach one summer, just for about two weeks or so, and uh, we had found ourselves a, a little old sand bucket and one of the we decided one night that we were just going to go catch a bunch of crabs uh-huh now uh the crabs they weren't <laughs> silver crabs they're about a dollar bill size i don't know exactly what kind of crab they were but they were decent sized things so we spent about two or three hours just rounding up as many crabs as we got all 12 of them <laughs> and we, put them, we put them all in this bucket all right <laughs> Now, Doc, have you ever seen a bunch of crabs in a bucket before? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, you know, none of those crabs are going to let any of them get ahead in front of the other. <laughs> so, so we were, we were shocked. We were surprised at what we were beholding ourselves to <laughs> for, for about an hour. We just watched as these crabs fought and clawed against each other to try to get out. Yeah. As soon as one crab would try to climb up the bucket by climbing on the others, three or four crabs grab it and yank it back down. Wow. And so, so it was a, it was a life lesson for for me, uh, of course, you know, that I would often find myself reflecting back on, yeah. just uh, just reminding myself to be careful who I was surrounded myself with, and later on when I went to the military, who exactly I was, you know, stuck in a bucket with. Well, you know, you're so, isn't that the, what a lesson to just watch that and realize that because they weren't doing any kind of teamwork at all, then they were all sort of stuck in the bucket, right? And and how old were you, Stephen? Do you have an idea of how old you were? Oh, man, that was was long ago. I want to say maybe, I don't know, somewhere between 10 or 12. Yeah, yeah. So, and you still? reflect back on that and I love your laugh as you're thinking about it just and again cost nothing you had a bucket and you just went along the beach and and (laughs) gathering things so oh yeah oh yeah I've been told I had a face for radio (laughs) (laughs) well well I appreciate you calling in and that is a lesson and and you know just like uh, Richard Louv says that that sometimes things can be in nature can be a little bit frightening but they can still take teach you some lessons like the crabs pulling each other back down into the bucket and who mm-hmm. you want to be stuck in the bucket with, right? Oh, so, yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate your call. Let you get back to it. Okay. Thanks, Stephen. All right. Well, let's stay on the phones. We have Craig who's been waiting in Biloxi. Craig, what are your thoughts today? Yeah. yeah I, uh, years ago, I let my five-year-old niece give me a haircut. I needed a haircut, and, and she volunteered, so I said, okay. And I had a praiser about how well it looked. Well, that's really interesting. Was that when you were keeping her in the summer, trying to come up with a creative way to keep her occupied? Oh, no. Oh, no. She, she was preschool, and, and uh, 
I was just visiting my sister, my my niece, mm. uh, and she, and to this day, I'm still her favorite uncle. Because and, yeah, well, that I let her I let her cut my hair. It, it looked like a five year old cut it, but I told her it looked good. <laughs> well, I hope you then later went to a barber to have him straighten it out. But that yeah, I, I think I clipped it all off after that when she wasn't looking. <laughs> Well, that sounds like a really sweet thing to do. I wonder, what does she do today? Is Does she happen to be a hairdresser? Uh, no, she does restaurant managing, but, you know, it, it, it builds her confidence, uh-huh. and, and it gives her a good memory. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. I hope you got good pictures of it. So. Well, that, this was, this was pre-camera days, ah. but... Uh, well, <laughs> 25 years ago. <laughs> well, probably not pre-camera, but pre the digital camera, right? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I have a nice camera, but I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to take it out there. <laughs> well, Craig, thanks for your call. That was a, that's a mighty sweet uncle. I don't know many that would do that. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty mean now, but uh, back then I was nice. <laughs> okay, thanks so much for your call. Well, let's go on to Joseph in Mobile, Alabama. Joseph, you have a good childhood memory. Oh yeah, I sure do. Talk <laughs> I, to I'm seventy four. I'm seventy four years old, and when I was like a very very young, uh, our family used to go walking in the woods in the forest. I lived in Belgium. Okay, so so there were a lot a lot of forests uh, uh-huh. in the area where we lived in, and I still remember those uh, things way. And that was a long time ago. I'm 74 years old. <laughs> also, another thing too, uh, I remember during the war because I was born in 1943, and so during the war, uh, our parents put put us in a in a um, it was a boarding school, and mm-hmm. it was near the beach, near the ocean in northern uh, Belgium there. And um, oh, I, we used to play in the sand. I still remember that, and I still remember we used to make sand castles and things like that, you know. <laughs> I mean, all, all I could do is I'd fill up a bucket full of sand and turn it upside down. But yeah. there were some people that, that really uh, did some pretty fancy castles and um those are the things i remember but you know back then see nowadays uh i see little kids uh, like i was in church uh yeah um last sunday and there was a little kid playing with his phone and playing game on his phone and i was thinking wow when we were kids we used to draw on paper you know Mm -hmm. Right. How creative is it to be playing a game on a phone, you know, like a video game? And we used to always play outside, you know, with our friends when we were kids. But now kids, they just they they're just sit there with the with their phones or their uh, their pads, you know, and things like electronics. Right. And that's right. not very healthy. I think it's very more healthy to be able to. Uh, not only the physical uh, aspect of uh, of uh, moving around, but also the 
the the mental aspect and the physical both. Right, right. You know, you're bringing up some excellent points, Joseph. I just want to point out a couple of things you said. Sure. We do see a lot of children um, occupying themselves uh, on on their parents' iPhone or their own or their smartphone, and the my comment on that is that yes it is an easier way to parent it it really will occupy a child but what is it teaching them about the uh, their ability to learn proper manners the ability to sure. look people in the eye the ability to interact um what what are we doing to our children i think we have to be really careful about that right yeah, I, yeah. I, I, you know, I think technology is wonderful, but the thing is, I it mean, is. parents uh, should be able to control that and not just, you know, uh, just give them, uh, let them sit there and, and, and do those things. They've, they've got to get out and play, you know, run, play hide and go seek. I mean, little things like that exactly. outside, play marbles. How about that? Yeah, nobody play ever marbles. plays marbles anymore. Oh, yeah. man, I'll tell you what, that was so much fun, yeah. you know? And <laughs> just trying to knock down, their marble out of the circle. I couldn't get down like that because of my physical uh, state. I've got multiple sclerosis, which is pretty bad. I'm sorry. And, uh, but, uh, but I wish I could, you know, and right. people don't appreciate uh, how, uh, how uh, blessed they are by doing, being able to do physical things, you know. Right. Those simple, those simple things. The other They're reason simple. to make sure that we get our kids out and up is to to try, you, you mentioned it, the physical activity is so important. That's another reason yeah. we have such a high obesity rate. Um, children yeah. sit, they play their games, and then they yeah. snack. And so we need to keep working on not, not just the creativity, but also the physical activity. So... You're bringing up several good points, Joseph. Thank you for that. And well, thank you for the program. It's, uh, I mean, it's a wonderful uh, subject. Thank you. Thanks for calling and keep listening. All right. Well, let's stay on the phones. We have Linda in Port Gibson. Linda? Yes. Good morning. Yes. Hey. Good morning. You have a good childhood memory? Yes, I do. Um, I remember going to Delta Village. Uh-huh. Delta Village is in Tallulah, Louisiana. Well, I'm, I'm sure it's probably not there anymore, but uh, we had so much fun there. And uh, it it was almost like going to Six Flags. Uh, uh-huh. you know, I'm 60 now, but I can still remember the fun we had. Every year we would go, I think I was about, oh, maybe 10 or 11. Yeah. Each year I would go. And we had fun. Oh, that's great. And, you know, sometimes those routine memories um, where you go to the same place and um, you have your parents or your siblings with you uh, are just amazing memories that maybe didn't cost a lot. Delta Village uh, wasn't too far from your home, right? And No, it was about, I think it's about an hour right. or an hour and a half. Right. But so, it was just 
just makes you smile and I hear that smile in your voice and and I have the same kind of memories about Holmes County Park we would go skating on Sundays sometimes at their skating rink Um, and that was a very simple trip 30 minutes from home and we had some of the very best times ever just doing something simple like that sure I'll say this real quick yeah Um, also I remember uh, the times that I would spend with my uh, my aunt. Uh, every year after you know school was over, I would always spend two weeks with my aunt. Uh-huh. And she had children, and we would play, and you know, it was just we learned a lot, giving and sharing, and but it well, was simple times, simple, simple play, time. yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. the 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 more we just allow our children to be out yeah. and have simple lives and learn, you just said it, to play yeah. and share, the better off our our society will be. Because so, they came from a large family yeah. as well as myself, and we, young as we were, we played uh, old maid and uh, all kinds of games. Uh-huh. You know, the uh-huh. boys just, and the girls. Great, you know, and I, uh, I really enjoyed those those years. Yeah, right. uh, I think I was fifth grade and mm-hmm. fifth grade and sixth grade. So, so I think Linda's giving us a message. If you're an aunt or an uncle out there, and you have some nieces and nephews who might yeah. need some time away from home, uh-huh. what a good thing to do. That made memories for you. All right, we're going to take our final break, and when we come back, we will get to Mikey, William, and Sue, who have been waiting. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. We're talking about making those memories and getting back to nature. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I appreciate you listening today. We're going back to nature, the simple times. What can we do to make sure that we create um, memories? So let's go back to the phones. We've had lots of good ideas today from our callers. Let's go to Mikey in Mobile. Good morning, Mikey. Hey, good morning. I'm, I'm sorry that maybe this is not, unfortunately, it's not as available to children as it was when I was growing up. And uh, I was a number of, uh, well, more than half a dozen, shall we say. Uh-huh. Um, I'm calling it sand dune jumping. <laughs> there are still probably places that you can do it. Because we would go camping on the Escatapa, you know, that beautiful, just over the Mississippi. Yeah. 
yeah. Alabama line. You know, Beautiful. it was a great place where um, uh, you had, I'm, I'm saying 12 to 15 feet, but I was not nearly, <clears throat> when you're smaller <laughs> in body, physical body, you may be estimate things differently, right? Um, but I know it was at least 12 feet. And you stand at the top and you jump off. It's it's probably like um, my nephews up in Michigan are doing with snow slopes mm-hmm. and things. Mm-hmm. And we also did it on Dolphin Island. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Dolphin Island, such a beautiful place. So, Mikey, one thing that um, now you're right, not available anymore. People discourage you from getting up on sand dunes due to the fact that we have to worry so much about erosion along our coastline. So we try hard to predict to protect the sand dunes. So, um, but there are lots of other fun things you can do. One of our earlier callers had uh, talked about building uh, sand castles, and goodness gracious, the the fun uh, building uh, sand forts and dunes and moats, and there are so many wonderful things you can do um, on the beach. Uh, doesn't even have to involve being in the water, just being on the beach and being creative. Creative and picking up shells, right? How much damage can a six-year-old or seven-year-old do to a sand dune jumping? I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, you can't even jump that far, first of all. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. And it's just, it's just a slide down. It's, yeah. it's kind of like what uh, uh, Chuck E. Cheese is without all the other hooty hooties. Yeah. You know. I I hear you, but like I said, uh, you we um, right. we don't want it to be masked. Right. We don't want it to be masked. Now, right. now, my other question is: if you are a person who has who owns property where you would like to have children have these sorts of experiences, um, who do you contact to find out? I mean, because uh, unfortunately, to, when you're the grown-up, you have to get into the it, what's the insurance, what's the you know this or what's the that you know. Oh uh, well, now maybe in legal terms would be the people to talk to about all of that. Now, as okay, far well, I'll as tell them that you told me that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I hope we don't worry too much about liability as we're moving forward to try to make things fun for kids. Just remember all the safety. You don't want to leave tubs of standing water around for children to have access to. You know, you want to make sure that children are well supervised. So, Mackie. You know, I mean, come on. (laughs) Thanks for your call, Mikey. I appreciate you. It's dry. (laughs) Yeah. Let's let's go on to our next caller. We'll go to Sue in Beaumont. Sue, you have some thoughts about escaping noise pollution. Talk to us. I wonder if there's any place left in America where there's no light pollution and noise pollution. If you look at the maps of that, there's very few places left. And I think if if parents can, they need to take their kids somewhere, like out in the forest or in the back back end of a river somewhere. So there's where there's peace and quiet where the only sounds you hear are nature and yeah. that you can actually see the stars without being interfered with light pollution. Oh, great. As old as I am, there might not be any yeah. places like that. Well, there are, certainly in Mississippi and areas of Alabama and Louisiana. I would, I, what a wonderful suggestion. Get in the very dark and just look on a clear night. Have your children look up, look in. You don't in realize how many stars the, there are until you're in it. I think city children often don't have a clue what's 
out there. So, Sue, that's a great suggestion. Okay, there's another simple, no-cost, no-cost recommendation other than maybe a little gas. Thank you. Thanks, Sue. Let's go to our last caller. We have William in Starkville. Thanks for being patient, William. Uh, okay. Can you hear me okay? Yes, great. Yep. Uh, I, I am going to mention something that is should have been a childhood memory, but I only had it day before yesterday. Uh, <laughs> okay. It's, uh, south, southeast, about 20 miles southeast of Indianola, is the uh, uh, Sky Lake um, Cypress Swamp with a boardwalk half a mile long, 10 feet above the water, that will take you into the heart of one of the one of the most magnificent uh, cypress growth that uh, oh. still remain here in the south. And it's awe-inspiring, um, deep in the woods. And uh, there was nobody there, hardly anybody goes. And the Sky Lake is a is a uh, an oxbow lake left over from when, when the Mississippi used to be that much further east. Uh-huh. So thousands uh-huh. and thousands of years old. And this site is right in the middle of the circle of that oxbow lake. It's not a complete circle, but it, that's how you find it. I've been hunting for it. I've been there three times, before, uh, twice, I guess, before wow. I finally found it. Sounds exciting. So the name of it is? Sky, Sky Lake uh, Boardwalk, I think, is the, is the name. Uh, Cypress Boardwalk might be part of it. You probably can Google it. Okay. Um, yeah. The Mississippi Roads, I think, has done a story on it. I believe so. Past. Yeah. And, uh, and your your thrust this morning is such a magnificent twist on what you uh, usually do. Our kids, especially those stuck in the ghettos or in the middle of a, even in the middle of Jackson, that never get out to see the wilderness. How, how can they ever have any idea of what what? Um, what we need to take care of the environment. And Absolutely. You. Let me Thank leave. you. Uh, William, we're out of time. I'm so sorry. I'd love for you to continue to comment because you've made some great points. But this is it for Relatively Speaking. Today's show was engineered by Michelle McAdoo, our call screener, Kevin Farrell. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. I hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking. <laughs>